Do you know how to bend steel? I sure don't. And I'm sure many of you don't. But today's guest does know how to bend steel because she grew up in a family where her grandfather started a company out of his barn. And she talks to me today about all the lessons that she's learned from him, including if it is meant to be, it is up to me. So take a listen and let me know what you think. Have a great day. Welcome to the Midlife with Courage podcast. I'm your host, Kim Benoit, and every week I share stories of women just like you, amazing women over 40 who have found their courage to live life on their terms. These beautiful women have found the confidence to take on midlife like rock stars. They share their stories to inspire and encourage you to find your courage, build your confidence, and start living every moment. Remember, if you enjoy this podcast, please remember to show me some love and leave a review. Now, let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Midlife with Courage. I'm Kim Benoit, your host, and I'm so happy to have you here. I'm also very happy to have my guest here today. Her name is Rhonda Parker Taylor. Welcome to the podcast, Rhonda. Thank you, Kim. Thanks for thanks for hosting me, and I can't wait to get into a really engaging um, conversation about um, our courage in moving forward as as not only we age, but also as we redevelop our goals as we go from our young adult years into a more seasoned lifestyle. I love that more seasoned. That's a wonderful way to put it. Um, <laughs> so, Rhonda, you are a writer, an entrepreneur, and an academic researcher. And before we get into your story, I want to ask you if there was a scent that you could bottle up and take with you wherever you went, what would that be? I think there's two. My favorite smell in the whole wide world is uh, the floral smell of lilacs. It reminds me of my grandmother's home. She had a lilac bush. Um, So it's kind of a comfort food for the soul um mm-hmm. but the other would also be eucalyptus believe it or not yeah even okay. though it's such a potent smell you know it reminds you of all the care you got when you were sick and vacations when you were maybe in you know a um sauna and steam room so it, it kind of has a rejuvenation of the body smell so I would say those would be the two but lilacs is you know bring is that comfort food for me and um <laughs> eucalyptus is you know the body it rejuvenates love the body it. Love it. yeah I love both of those I actually found a lilac lotion in a little store downtown I have to go back and get it because it was so nice um you know usually they get that fake lilac scent but this was like right. really close so why don't you tell us a little bit more about you, yourself where in the world are you and what are you doing what are you doing and we'll get into your story a little bit sure so um like you said my name is Rhonda Parker Taylor and I all my life have been a person that liked to support other people. So I'm from Indianapolis, um, originally from a small town of Noblesville, which is north of Indianapolis. And our community was one that just, you know, pitched in every time something, there was something going on with other people. And so I kind of followed that grain in my life. life. I went to college thinking I was going to be just an entrepreneur, businesswoman, and, and my life kind of navigated me as I realized I was stronger in the soft skills and not so hard, the hard skills of accounting and finance that, you know, I, I needed to be more in the HR and development area of life. Mm-hmm. So I went through my um, 
and master's and my doctorate. And I started teaching at the college level. And I found I really enjoyed helping others not only be successful, but find their purpose. And that was kind of for my first season of, of life was my my main goal and purpose. And that is how to find the excellence in others and pull it out of them. Because so many times, you know, it's in there, but we put our own blocks in, in, in front of us and our own barriers that really just stop us from thriving. So that's where I put my first season. Although deep down inside me, there was another part of me that loved to write. And I didn't I didn't embrace it like I needed to. I mean, I embraced it for others, helping mm -hmm. them with their dissertations and their capstone projects and being that mentor that we all, you know, love to hate, you know, because they're so hard <laughs> on us. But um, I, I found that I enjoyed it, but I enjoyed not just the academic research part of it, but the fiction aspect, taking real problems and putting it on paper for people to kind of learn the lessons learned from the characters. So then I wrote in my first novel and my second novel. And the, you know what was the term for me is I'm ancient. And I went to get something off of a floppy disk <laughs> that had my book on it and it was eaten. And I was like, oh my oh, goodness, no. I had all these pictures. I had books stacked up, printed. And I was like, I'm going to have to type that whole thing all over again oh, no. and and edit it all over again if I don't to do something about it. So I had to get off my own butt <laughs> and listen to my own words and do something about it, you know, oh my and, gosh. and follow my dreams. So that's, so that's kind of the story in a nutshell. That's my elevator speech. Your elevator speech. I love, I wonder how many people, well, most of my listeners are over 40, so they probably know what a floppy disk is. But in case there aren't, but go look it up, people. You'll know. Um, and that you'll know why she said ancient, because that was a while ago. So just to backtrack a little bit, you were born into a family that owned a steel manufacturing business, correct? So is that where you built that entrepreneurship idea? Yeah. So my well, I would say it started first with my grandfather because he was in the military during the depression and he decided he didn't want to be in the military and everybody told him no don't stop being in the military there's no jobs out there sure. and he wanted to prove to his captain that he could get a job and so he went and made an official looking envelope went to the front of the line and said he had his interview and they let him in the gate and it for a welding position and they sat down and they said well tell us about your welding experience and he said I don't have any. Oh, and they no. said, well, how'd you get in the gate? And they told him, they said, if you can do that, we can teach you how to weld. So that entrepreneurial, mm -hmm. because he was a, a Polish immigrant that had to make it, you know, you just, there was no failing back then or else it was detrimental to your whole family started probably back then. Okay. But my father ended up being his apprentice and then opened up the steel manufacturing um, plant in a barn first. So it was just him while he worked someplace else. And at night, he made aquarium stands. So anybody that has those metal stands that you have your aquarium on, sure. he was the first person to make it and was the largest manufacturer out of a barn first. Wow. And in the United States. So then it grew and he started doing Firestone parts and automotive parts and all these other things. And now it's a midsize organization that my brother and my sister run now. 
So my development was you work hard no matter what your gender is, what your age is. You And that's kind of the core value, if you think about it, of all the Midwest, mm -hmm. especially in the small communities. You must work hard. You got to, you, you know, you, your value is in work. So I carried that over, that theme over into Crossroads, my fiction novel, because that's the main character's core value is work. Sure. You, you know, if you don't have a value in your work then and excellence, then, you know, you don't have value in yourself. But sometimes that has, is that has a detrimental effect on your life. Mm -hmm. And so we kind of talk about that in, in Crossroads. That's a lessons learned. But yeah, yeah. So that started, the entrepreneur started in, in, in watching my family as they struggled through the ups and downs of the economy and life and realized that, you know, you can do it no matter what your background is. You just have to put one foot in front of the other. Sure, sure. Um, I'm sure that taught you many, many lessons <laughs> throughout <laughs> your life. <laughs> Good and bad. Yep, when you yep. it, as a child, you know, when you have a strict family background like that, that means, you know, you're working sometimes, you know, and I know how to bend steel. How many women out there know how to bend steel? How many are cut steel or work on a paint line in the heat? So there's things that you learn about processes when you have to dig in that deep. And I think that, you know, our younger generation could learn from that now. Oh, definitely. That could be a whole other podcast. Episode. Yes, it could. <laughs> <laughs> How did you come about thinking, I want to write a book? I know you said you were helping others do those kinds of things, but wh where did that come from and why fiction too? Okay. So I picked fiction because I wanted to make sure that it wasn't about me or about anyone I knew. You know, I uh, wanted people to be able to read it and engross themselves and realize that, you know, it was a game of Clue. It was basically, because it's kind of an Agatha Christie kind of feel. Hmm. It's not the gore like a Stephen King or, a, you oh. know, and it's not quite as courtroom drama driven as like a, a as a Grisham. Okay. Mm -hmm. So it's more of that putting the, the relationships in there. And so I wanted people to feel comfortable in that space but yet be able to pull away a lesson and maybe think about it mm -hmm. and impact their decision-making in the future. So all of my fiction books, um, I have not only the fiction, but then a self-help. So it's going to probably be out in the next month, maybe a little bit after Christmas, a life balance book mm -hmm. on redefining who you are and whether you're balanced, because that's one of the character flaws in the main character is some of the things that are happening to her is because her life isn't balanced. And so she's simply just not paying attention to what's going on around her. Ah, got it. And her name is Paris Pennington. Yes. I love that name. <laughs> when you write a book, I'm sure you have to do research. Mm -hmm. And then I, to me, I think it would be difficult to take that research and put it into the book in a way that people, you know, understand. Like, right. you don't want to get too technical, but you also want to, have them have a good understanding of what the background is, right? Right. So what I did, um, first of all, is I try to get to know my characters really well and then have the story. So mm -hmm. the story moves you forward. Mm -hmm. And 
So what are the main pieces of that story? But the characters keep you hooked. Yeah. So when I develop the characters, I use a medical and a psychological assessment of oh. who I'm making up. Interesting. So they call it a soap note, you know, where mm -hmm. you do your subjective. When you go, when a person comes in and has an appointment with a doctor or a psychologist or a psychiatrist, they they come in and tell them what they think the problem is, right? And right. everything about their history. Their, you know, their, their parents had this illness and they broke their knee at age five riding a horse or whatever it might be, right? Mm -hmm. Then there's the objective part of that. So as you're telling your doctor or your psychologist or your psychiatrist, and this comes from my, re my research, what happened to you all your life? They're sitting there writing objective comments, okay? She has a flat effect. She has no emotion in her face. She's dressed inappropriately for the weather or whatever it might be that the character is. Mm -hmm. So by the time I've done that, when I get into the storyline or the plot, and I'm explaining that they're sitting in a jury room and it's crowded and what's the main character going to do? Well, if her core value is work and her type A personality doesn't let her sit still, she's going to try to escape the room. She's going to go find a phone, especially because it was in 1982 when you don't have a cell phone. So <laughs> she's going to go try to get in touch with the, the office. So you already know what the character is going to do based on that assessment of who they are the people that were involved in the crime his name is billy knuckles but he wasn't the main person that did the crime right um he was a witness and that turned turned state so in his case he was an overweight person that couldn't set healthy boundaries in their relationship and ended up at the first crime scene because he didn't set the, he'd known the person all his life. He wouldn't get out of the car. He wouldn't do these things. So you, I already know, and it's people we, we know every day, kind of, mm -hmm. you know, it's, you're developing a character that's kind of real then it's, it's your brother, your sister, the person you knew you that got in trouble when you were young. And it, it's not about those. It's about the decisions we've made in our lives. Okay. So I try to get the story for, first and, that, and the characters because that really tells you how to move that tension forward. Mm -hmm. So in Paris Pennington's case, she's got to navigate going to jury when she's a workaholic that has too many things and she wants to get out of it. She doesn't want to be there. But because she's who she is, guess she ends up being the foreman. Of course. Of course she is. And so then things start <laughs> happening to her and, you, and you're trying to figure out what happened and what navigated it. And yeah. so then I also want to find the lesson that I want people to really resonate. So you have the work balance. Mm -hmm. But then in Proverbs, it says anger is cruel. So we know all the time in the news that we see, you know, crimes done because of anger. Mm -hmm. fury is overwhelming and you'll see that emotion in a couple of the witnesses mm -hmm. but who can stand before jealousy envy makes the bones rot mm -hmm. think about it as we grow and we mature we have to accept ourselves and our life if we're going around and thinking about the bigger house or the you know the vacation that we couldn't take because we did, couldn't afford it we're not enjoying our own. 
right. we're, we're fantasizing about another person's life and diminishing our own self. So I want people to walk away thinking, wow, you know, am I envious? And my husband calls it haterism, where you just, you're so envious that you almost hate the person. And we see it at work. Mm -hmm. We see it in our personal lives. We see it in our families. We see it in our communities, where if we just supported each other, oh my goodness, be prepared for the positivity. Oh. <laughs> High five. High five. <laughs> Yeah. So I'm hoping that they, I think I took all my education and put it into one, you know, one piece of, of what I've experienced in corporate America and what I've seen in other places where if we can just work on our own personal skills, that we're working to elevate not only ourselves, but our peer groups. Exactly. Yeah, I love that. And I do notice that women of a certain age tend to start to support each other more. Yeah, but it takes a while and it's kind of difficult sometimes, especially, right. you know, when we've got social media showing us the best of everyone or what we think is the best. And then right. well, they've got this and they're doing that. And here am I, you know. Right. And and what are we doing to enjoy every day? So it's just me and my husband and, and our home. So we don't need a fabulous, large, beautiful house. But guess what we do like? We have we like land. So. I find looking at each window daily to see different views, um, watching the critters come through, whether it be a chipmunk, a possum, a deer, a fox, a coyote, watching them live their lives. You learn a lot from that simplicity. Sitting in the rocking chair that's the special one. You know, sometimes you just have to do something using your china. Yeah. You know, one of the things that my mom said very early on is you could tell a woman by her china cabinet. And I never really got it till one day I'd gone through some adversity mm -hmm. and it was just me in my home. And I looked at the China cabinet that I had carried around with me since I was in my twenties and every, every, you know, holiday, she'd give me another piece, you know, of my China. And I thought, you know what? She knows it had dinks in it mm -hmm. and it'd been moved from place to place. And I'm thinking it's still standing. And so am I. And so as we go through those, those trials and tribulations, even though it may not be a China cabinet in someone's house, because maybe some people that wasn't important, but that tells you something too. Mm -hmm. if, if you're putting your best foot forward and you're overcoming everyday adversities and you're still standing, you've survived, what's more beautiful than that? You didn't give up no matter what the trial and life is going to hit all of us at some point. That's such a big lesson to learn. And it's so hard when you're bombarded with things that are happening and you have to really stop and think, wait a minute, I've succeeded or I've, I've survived a hundred percent of everything so far. So I'm good. Right. And the self-care and the self-awareness and the resilience of all of that is so important to being able to not only just survive it, then thrive after it. Mm -hmm. And you could add mindfulness and having a purpose-filled life. If you set those all in, in order for yourself, then you don't get derailed by life, you know, and that right. life can derail you and then you don't want to get out of bed. Right. You know, so you have to put kind of understand the challenges ahead of you and be actively looking for the purpose and the lesson as you're going through it. 
we talked about this before we started recording, but you say, if it's meant to be, it is up to me. And I love that. Yes. That's something that my father had started mm -hmm. um, with the family. And there's, a, he liked to put little words of wisdoms and nuggets out there. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's a family slogan. If it's meant to me, it's up to me. And part of that's because we're such a big family. Mm -hmm. And so we would want to compare, which he would say, you know, never compare yourself, which is kind of the source of envy to um, be who you are. But if it's meant to be so many times, we want others to solve our problems. Mm -hmm. And yeah, people can outreach and help, you know, when needed. But really, that's not going to solve the problem because the next time something comes up, someone's going to come right back out. But they're, you know, and want mm -hmm. you to solve it again, same thing. So if you learn to solve it yourself or, or have a community that helps you make concrete decisions, you're going to thrive. So like I, I could call my father and ask him, you know, Hey, you know, I have this problem with my home or, you know, whatever it might be. And he, he could give me the advice, mm -hmm. but he never solved it for me. Ah. Uh. Smart. So it was a lesson of if it's meant to be, it's up for me. And it doesn't matter whether it's a technical issue or a life lesson, you know, or, you know, your purpose. My dad was a manufacturer. He knew nothing about publishing. Mm -hmm. He knew nothing about writing a book. He knew about how to thrive in a business manufacturing environment. So how could he ever tell me how to publish yeah. a book? Right. Or even like he did, he went and took a couple of college courses, but he didn't ever graduate. So he didn't know how to navigate the, the education system. So he can only do what his skill set allowed him to do for his children. All he could say is that, you know, you can find a mentor, you can live a fulfilled life, you can solve your own problems and achieve your own personal goals. And so that was our little, and it's still to this day, he, you know, he passed a couple of years ago, but is if it's meant to be, it's up to me. And every single one of his children or grandchildren have had that philosophy. Nice. Very nice. So where can people find your book if they would like to uh, read it? Like me. <laughs> it's okay. Crossroads. All right. It's on all the major retail websites. If you're a online person that wants to order it's on amazon it's on barnes and noble goodreads all, all the major platforms okay it's also in select bookstores that that have ordered it if you go to a bookstore and it's not there they can or, order especially yeah. you know the independent bookstores are very important that we support them yes. but you know they don't have the same same ability to have the inventory that some of the largest stores like Barnes and Noble, if you're in sure. Indiana, it's in Greenwood mall. It's in Keystone at the crossing. It's at Noblesville, Carmel. I think Plainfield's going to order it also. So it's in the major ones in the Indianapolis um, okay. area. Also, you can also find me on my website, Rhonda Parker, Taylor.com. Okay. And any of the social medias, um, almost all of them. And um, okay. I'm also on there. And I would love to hear from the audience. I'd love them to order the book. But Crossroads is kind of, uh, it, like I said, it's a suspense novel. Um, it is endorsed by Meryl Hemingway. We didn't talk about that I one. I saw but, um, that. Yeah, she was thrilled to write. She wrote the foreword. 
Oh my and, gosh. And it's part of the book club. And she wrote and produced a, I think it's 90 seconds or two minutes or something like that, endorsement slash recap of it. And what I loved about the way, she, how she got it, because at the very end, she says, even chocolate has an expiration date. And it, she goes through the navigation of, you know, how we have to make decisions and go through crossroads. But at times you have to set that healthy boundary and understand that, you know, there are some things that just aren't healthy for you anymore. And as we navigate getting older mm-hmm. and maturing, you know, th- those are young people's mistakes when we don't have healthy boundaries and relationships because we're at that age. So why are we still enabling and putting ourselves out there where it takes away from our own God-given purpose. You know, it's okay to help, but it's don't hurt your own progress. And so when she said that, I, I knew she got it and that's why she, she liked the book. Nice. Nice. So how did you get her? I mean, how did you come into contact with her? Did she read your book or she found your book or did you find her or well, actually, um, when I was deciding whether I wanted to go the traditional route of publishing or self-publishing, I started reviewing different organizations that did both. Who am I going to query? Who am I going to work with? And I found a company called Mindster Media, and they are kind of a blended matrix. They publish it, but they also help you with the marketing. And wow. so um, as... We were going through the process of getting the book set up and going through the contracts. So they said, you know, you really need to have Meryl um, Hemingway read this book. Why would she be interested in such? She said, well, she's all about life balance and Uh, she's all about mental health and staying healthy and staying strong. And so I wrote the letter and they delivered it to, to her people and there we go. It's been since February and she agreed and we came to an agreement and she wrote the forward and and did the YouTube video. And, you know, I feel very blessed because, you know, I'm a small town girl from Noblesville. Mm -hmm. Who would not? That's awesome. You know, for years I've helped other people thrive and someone invested in me. So that, that was, it was kind of the payback. And it was one of those moments that I realized that listening to your own words and producing what's meant for you to do is the blessing of living a life where you practice positivity and and pour into others. Hmm. And so many times, all of us women try to overcome challenges and the adversity, and we are always continuously growing and helping others, but we don't take that step for us. What if I hadn't written the letter? out of insecurity, you know, yeah. I, I had to make myself vulnerable, mm-hmm. you know? So when, as women or men, when we make ourselves vulnerable, it's scary. Right. But it worked out in this case. So, you know, that's another yeah. air, air high five. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Woo-hoo. There's actually a podcast guest that I wanted to have on and I was so afraid to ask. And so I finally just asked and she said, yes, like, yeah. Oh, and I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> so yeah. it's kind of awesome. We've given us so many wonderful messages here today. Is there anything else that you want to share before we say goodbye? Any one last little nugget of information? Enjoy yourself, have passion for self, fulfill yourself, and realize you are a 
beautiful person, no matter who you are. And I'm not talking just about physically. I'm talking about all the things that you have to offer yourself and others. You remember your achievements and your contributions are based on those positive ability to reach out and connect with others. Um, and in doing so, you learn from those other people. Stay disciplined and focused and be blessed. Love it. Thank you so much, Rhonda. I really enjoyed this conversation and I know my listeners did too. So thank you and we will talk to you soon. Bye everybody. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to this episode of Midlife with Courage. I hope that it has inspired and motivated you to live your best life. I'm Kim Benoy, a retired registered nurse, a wife, a mom, and now a certified aromatherapist. To learn more about my story and to get some tools to help you on your health and wellness journey, please go to my website, www.midlifewithcourage.com. You'll find lots of great information there. And if you would like to, go ahead and subscribe to my newsletters so that you are always up to date on what's happening. I promise not to bombard you. I usually send out a newsletter once, maybe twice a month. So check that out. Until next time, take care of your beautiful self, and I'll talk to you soon. Thank you.